um, in September, so this current moment in time, um, we go through our kind of vision series. Um, and these four banners that you can see, so get connected, get involved, um, get giving, and get out there. And last week, um, Tim spoke to get connected, and um, today, tonight, we're going to look at get involved. So I'll pray, and then we'll dive into this. And Father, we just thank you that your truth is eternal. We thank you that you are an active God. You're a God who is involved in your world. And you're a God who's involved in each of our lives, sitting here right now, this evening. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. You would fill us afresh. You would open our hearts and our minds to hear all that you have for us this evening that you would take these simple words and use them to envision each of us as a you see fit and willing for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Great. Um, Mark, can we bring up the PowerPoint? That would be brilliant. Thank you. Cool. So we're looking at um, Get Involved. And the first scripture that I wanted to start with is we're going to take a quick journey through scripture, then look at some theology, and then um, look at how we can really practically apply this to our life um, at St. Dias right here and now. And if we say, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it wouldn't be a sermon by me if we didn't start in Genesis. Um, so, Genesis, but we're in Genesis chapter 2, not Genesis chapter 1, so that, that's new, isn't it? Um, great. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The Lord took humankind and put them in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And so the first thing we can dwell on this evening is the fact that actually getting involved in activity and work is a God-given positive creation reality. It was right there before the fall. Actually, we were created to be active, to be involved in the world that God has placed us in to steward and to love and to care for. And then as we journey in the Old Testament, we see that God is an active God, isn't it? Actually, he doesn't just leave us alone after the fall and say, you know, I'll be done with it. Actually, God comes into human history again and again in the Old Testament, always calling his people, Abraham, Moses, the Israelites, always active, always, always saying to his people, get active, get involved, get going. And then we open, um, we open the Gospels. And we see again and again this reality to go, to be involved. So Matthew closes his gospel, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 19, famous words. Then Jesus came to them, to the disciples and to all of us and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore go, the go of scripture. There is no sitting quietly, standing back in scripture. Actually, it's an imperative all the time to be involved, to go, to get active. 
That's what's going on in the New Testament. That's what's going on with the disciples. That's what's going on with God's mandate to us. And then we get to the early church. So we get to the epistles and various other writings. And we see that it's right there again, the activity and the go of Scripture. And so if we look at our reading now, so 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14 and 25 to 27. Starting at verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then moving down to verse 25. Say that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And that's the reality that we are still in as the church. Those words may have been spoken by Paul to a church in Corinth over 2,000 years ago, but they're spoken to each and every one of us right here, right now. It is not an accident that you are sitting in these seats. God knows this and he ordained this time and purpose. And he speaks over each and every one of us. That activity is good, that he is the God of involvement, and that he calls us to get involved in his world. That we're all part of this body. We're hands, we're feet. And it's all for his glory. And we'll come back to that in a moment. So if we step back into, I guess, the kind of theology and like the deepest truth of all of this, what is really going on? Um, last week, Tim spoke about getting connected, and he spoke about the Trinity and the fact that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, brilliant. Great. Now, um, just before the summer, some of you guys would have been doing um, a cafe theology with us, and I'm aware that you need a magnifying glass to see this visual aid, but let's imagine this picture on the screen here. Um, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As Tim was saying last week, God is entirely, entirely relational, and we are made in God's image, Genesis 1. Let me make humankind in our own image. And so just as God is relational, the free and one, we who are made in his image are completely relational. And we're called, most fundamentally, into a relationship with him. But we're called into a relationship with each other. But that leaves us to, to consider. Um, there's a chap called John Harriet, he's a great theologian, and he just says this, really, really practical. If we are made in the image of God, we are made in the image of the Trinity. And the life of the Trinity must, in some sort, be reflected in the pattern of our human life. If we are made in the image of this God, then the way that God operates must, in some way, be the perfect way for us to operate. We're not God but we're made in God's image. And we understand ourselves and our purpose more fully and more truly when we gaze into the nature of God. So what is the nature of God? 
relational, totally, totally relational. But actually, this trinity isn't a sort of internally focused trinity. This trinity is always outwardly focused. God is always outwardly focused in his nature. And we see that, don't we, in creation way back here in Genesis. God created. New Old Testament, God doesn't leave his world alone. Constantly, constantly involved in human history. The Gospels, the New Testament, the Gospels, my goodness, what did our God do? He stepped down into human history, into the muck and the mire, and he became one of us. And then when he ascended, he didn't leave us alone. He looked at the church and he said, I will dwell amongst you. And he sent the power of the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, again and again, infilling believers. Our God is outwardly focused by nature. So then, of course, we come to a further question. Actually, what does that mean for us? And we talked about this a little bit in Cafe Theology, but in the, um, the great mystery of the incarnation, of um, Jesus coming into human history and his death and resurrection, something truly astonishing happened. So that not only are we made in God's likeness, but we are somehow... There we go. We're part of God. Absolutely extraordinary. New Testament, Paul constantly talks about us being in him, in him, in him. Ephesians 1, in him, in him, in him. We are in Christ. And so we've been drawn up and into this reality of who God is. Firstly, we're made in the image of God. And so we're at our absolute best when we're outwardly focused, when we're engaged, when we're involved, because we're made in the image of a God who is an involved God, a God who is outwardly focused. But we're caught up in him too. We do all of it in him. We draw everything from who he is. He is our source of power and strength and purpose. And he has bestowed dignity on us. Actually, that's the reality of Genesis 2, where God placed humankind in the garden and gave them work to do. He gave them work and activity because work and activity bestows dignity upon us. And so the deepest, deepest truth of the incarnation and the resurrection, the ascension, and the reality of the church and who we are, right now, 2018, St. Dee's, Parsons Green, is that we are called in. And God bestows dignity upon us, corporately and individually. And he says, actually, you are my hands and feet. You are my sons and daughters. It's the dignity of inclusion. God hasn't said to us, just come and hang out here or hang out here so that we can have some kind of holy knees up for Jesus. That's a really, really good thing. And he wants us to celebrate who he is. And he wants us to gather like this. We gather like this so that we can get involved and we can go. And we can be refueled and we can be commissioned in him. Paul goes on to, uh, to put it like this, 2 Corinthians 5. Straight after all of Paul's wrestles and his afflictions and everything he's going um, through for the gospel. He then says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God himself was making his appeal through us. God himself is making his appeal to this world through us. That's extraordinary. 
culture will say to us that actually we're supposed to exist as these kind of isolated units. And that we're better and we're safer when we guard our own. But what the gospel says to us is get involved, get active, give of yourself and you'll find freedom. So how on earth do we do this? Well, it's back to the relational stuff. God has not asked us to do it on our own. Before all else, we do it in him. And he will give us everything we need. But we also do it together. That's what's going on in um, 1 Corinthians 12. And that's what's going on across scripture across the New Testament. It's Paul and Titus, Paul and Timothy, Peter and Barnabas. They're sent out together. We do it together. Um, John Wesley just puts it like this. I love this quote. Scripture knows nothing of solo religion. Scripture knows nothing of solo religion. That's why I culture doesn't work, because we were created for we culture. Do it together. Scripture, the gospel, it's entirely relational. It's about running this race together, holding each other up, spurring each other on to good deeds, not going it alone. And that's what Paul's writing in these verses. He's shouting to the Corinthians, you're not solo, you need each other. You've all got a part to play. Nobody's disqualified. And that's what Matthew is shouting. And then he's declaring the ultimate truth. Surely I'm with you till the very end of the age. We do it together. We're relational beings who need each other. And when we do this stuff together, when we get involved in the life of the church, when we get involved in this world, what a joy it is. There's such a joy in team. You know, I've been leading um, church work for most of my adult life. And what, my biggest joy sometimes have been the teams that I work with. When I was um, thinking about this, I was just reflecting on um, one of the youth teams I led um, when I worked at St. Paul's Hammersmith. Um, and it was an outreach um, youth group called The Bridge. And we did it every Friday night on the uh, local estate. And it was full of the naughtiest kids you could come across from Hammersmith and Shepherd's Bush at points. Um, and I'd look at my team and I'd just think, flip me, what are you guys doing here at the end of your crazy weeks? You know, there was Chris who was like 50-something um, and he was a banker in the city. And then there was Lids and um, she worked for the Night Frank. There was my mate Ali and um, he was a civil, sorry, civil servant, yes, a civil servant, who worked for the Foreign Office and he was about to be posted to China. So he'd be like playing pool with Warren whilst learning his Chinese flashcards and, you know, all this sort of stuff going on. You'd be like, what are this group of people doing in this room? And why are they not at home in front of a box set or in the pub or something like that? And, you know, we had the same narrative every week. Like, we'd all have to kind of drag ourselves there on a Friday night, especially in the winter. It was really dark and dingy and freezing. Um, and by the end of the final two hours, when we closed the doors and, you know, we sat down to debrief, we'd all say the same thing. We'd be like, oh, my goodness just feel more alive. 
I'm so glad I did that. Did you notice that extraordinary thing? Oh, I had that conversation. We got involved together. And as we got involved together in and through the sacrifice of it, we understood more what it was to be truly human, more what it was to know God, more what it was to know each other. The sacrifice was never too big because we did it together and we did it in him. And ultimately, guys, that's why we do any activity. That's why the Christian church has been active throughout history. Yes, it's all the stuff that we've been saying, but it's about the way we were made. But at an even deeper level, it is an act of worship and it's an act of sacrifice. And sacrifice is not in vogue in our culture. But it's the heart of the Christian narrative. We worship a crucified God. And so we give of ourselves as he pours into us and motivates us and fills us afresh. And we do it out of reverence for him. And it's such a joy. It's such a joy. Romans 12 just puts it like this. This is Paul again. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. We get involved. We run this stuff. We church together as an act of worship. And actually we do it all completely and fully with eternity in mind. Because we know that what's going on right now, all the stuff that's difficult at times can feel a little exhausting. We know that's not the end game. We know that actually the final vision is that one day, God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is going to return to judge the living and the dead. And we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to kind of return, but in a more full, glorious, incomprehensible way to what it was before the fall. That there's going to be a moment, as Revelation says, where he wipes away every tear from our eye and there will be no more hurting or dying or crying. And all will be restored. And so as you read the New Testament, that's how they did this stuff. That's how they ran the race. They ran the race because they fixed their eyes on things to come. Again and again, Paul talks about having dual sight, where his physical eyes were fixed on the things of this world, and he can see exactly what he was meant to get involved in in that moment. And the Lord will show you guys that stuff. But at the same time, his spiritual eyes, the eyes of his heart, are fixed on heavenly realities. And so he can run this race with those around him as they gather together. And they are fueled by a vision of eternity. And they know that this is not their home. And we have to get out of the mindset of this culture, which tells us that we're supposed to be making everything all all right. That is not going to happen this side of eternity. And the Lord Almighty has bestowed dignity upon us. He has included us. And he's welcomed us in. And he said, you're my hands and feet. I need every single one of you to 
toes, bums, belly buttons, all of it. And you've all got a part to play. And I have bestowed dignity all over you. And you're in me. And you can do this in me and with others. Okay, so what does this mean practically? Well, perhaps, and this is um, a challenge to myself too, um, our first thing is a bit of a personal discipline in our spiritual life, in maybe our coming to church on Sundays and our going to life groups and all the other stuff that we do. Perhaps we again and again have to discipline ourselves to flip the question. Because, and I do this certainly, the initial question is always, what did I get out of that? When the real question is, what did I contribute to that? And then we need to become confident as church. The devil loves to whisper to us. Loves to kind of squash us with polite British culture and say, oh, Oh, you don't really qualify. Oh, you can't really do that. It's absolute nonsense. You know him, you're in him, and you're called by him. And perhaps actually God's going to call us this evening, individually, corporately, to do some unlikely stuff. A bit like my youth workers, a bit like me. I mean, for goodness sake, what was I doing on a councillor's day in Hammersmith? It was ridiculous. But these kids were wonderful. Um, we may not look like it. doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use us. My goodness, he uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise all the time. So that, that's just a few of those things that we maybe need to process this evening. And then really, really practically for us this evening... Um, as you've come in, you probably notice there's a few signs on either side of the church at the back. And we've just got a few things that we want to say, hey, we want to run with this stuff this term. And we want you to consider if you can be um, part of. Some are really, really simple. Some you'll already be involved in. Other stuff might be a bit new to you. So we're going to land this, um, kind of sharing that and then worshipping. So the first thing is, um, it's a r I'm going to sort of rattle through our four priorities and slot them in. So our first priority is prayer and prophecy. And so much of prayer and prophecy is caught up in our Sunday life, in a reverence for God. So the first challenge in that area, and I think we're doing a lot better on this, is can we be on time to church? Let's be on time to do this, to seek the Lord in prayer and worship, to be gathered up in the things of the Spirit. This is our spiritual act of worship. Um, and then we'd really love um, those who are musical, not myself, uh, or particularly techie, um, if they'd like to get involved in the worshipping life of the church. So, Connor, where are you? Run, run. So, Connor, um, how can people get involved in the worship team of things? Ah, oh, yes, this is a situation where we need the microphone. Um, brilliant. So, Connor, tell us in one minute, 30 seconds, go. Sure. I don't even know if I need one minute, 30 seconds. Um, so, um, we need a lot of techie people, really. Um, as well as musicians, but um, we're quite short in the morning of people at the back, and it's amazing, really, that um, having all this just frees us to worship, um, and uh, we need them. So if you don't know how to do it, it's fine, we can teach you, and that would be an, an amazing way of serving if you're free a morning or evening to help with um, anything tech-wise. But if you can sing anything, if you can play anything, 
um, just let me know um, over there and it'd be great to get you involved. Brilliant, thank you so much, thank you. Um, our second priority is all around deepening um, authentic friendships. And so we really want to be able to press into, uh, well, our kind of host hosting teams and um, our hospitality. And Andy and Imo, if you just want to get ready to come up. But I just want to share this quote um, by Pete Gregg. I love this. Let's take a moment to really think about what um, hospitality is all about. So Pete Gregg just says this. Biblical hospitality starts in the heart and not the Ikea catalog. It is sacrificial and thoughtful, familial and flexible, patient and consistent, humble and imaginative. It allows for interruptions, goes the second mile and gives space. Actually, we want to invite anyone who uh, feels able to join our hosting teams on a Sunday. It's a really simple way of um, getting involved and giving back. But can I challenge us, especially if we're regulars here, we're home team, um, if we call this place, you know, kind of home, we've been here for more than, say, three months because it's the evening service and we move around a lot. Um, let's consider that it's not about just doing the easy job. Actually, let's consider what it means to go the extra mile, to invite somebody for a drink, to invite someone round for dinner, um, all that sort of stuff, to get to know each other well and be really, really hospitable. But um, Andy and Imo, do you just want to come and share with us about hosting teams and how people can get involved in that and what a joy it is? Um, yeah, so it's one week a month that you would sign up through the same week, so the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, fifth um, week of the month, and you'd be part of the same team, so we, we're, this, we're the third, um, and sort of five, six, seven people, and it's a fun way, um, I think also actually it's good to, to point out mm. um, that if you don't feel that you have huge amounts of time, it's a great way to start, because it's, it's not an enormous commitment, it's arriving at 4, 4.15 um, to set up the church. And um, that's a great way to kind of start, I think, mm. if you feel that actually you've got quite a few commitments outside of church. Um, and it's really straightforward. It's nice to be in a team and work with other people from the church. Um, anything else? That sounds brilliant. Oh, yeah, and you. If you're new, do come and talk to us, and we can point you in the right direction as well. We have to do that, because that's sort of part of hosting as well. Um, but yeah. And as Liz mentioned as well about in terms of kind of extending from just the kind of the hosting side of things, um, even just things like, you know, when you meet someone that's new and introduce them to somebody else in the church who, you know, they could have a nice chat with and actually meeting up before church, having a coffee before church, at, you know, swapping numbers and getting a coffee at four or something is a really nice way of having a bit of time to come in together. And yeah. Great. Thank you guys so much. Brilliant. Um, and then our third priority, don't worry, this will all be at the back at the end so you can um, chat through it a bit more, is um, discipleship. And one of the things we really want to press into um, over this kind of coming term is the um, kids and youth work, uh, sorry, children's and youth work even. And as you probably all know, Georgia is heading back to Oz, but the wonderful Hannah is stepping in. So Hannah, do you want to come up with Harry, I think, and you're going to tell us about how you can get involved in children's and youth work. And can I just say that the children's and youth work is growing and it's extraordinary. And I just wondered, um, how many of us came to faith before we were 18? Yeah, look around, everybody. How much does this matter? It matters so much. So, um, Hans, Harry, do you want to? There you go. 
Um, yeah, so as we know, uh, childhood and um, our time as a young uh, person can be really important in the development of our faith. Um, so we would love to have some more people around to help encourage our children and young people in their faith and being part of this church. And um, we have a whole range of groups, right from babies to youth. Um, and at the moment, we're especially short of volunteers. We're having to combine groups because we don't have enough people to run everything. Um, and if we can get loads of people joined in to sign up, then that just means that actually it's not as much a commitment from you as well. It could just be once or twice a month. Yeah. Um, and youth is the older end of the young people at church, so 14 to 18 year old-ish. Um, and it looks at St. Dude's like um, Thursday evening groups and Sunday morning groups. Our Thursday team, thankfully, God has blessed us with a really awesome team and really excited for our new group. But um, we want to see God change teenagers' lives, and currently we don't have any teenagers. So you can all get really involved, please, by praying and um, getting them to come, if you know any teenagers at all in the city. We've got leaflets at the back of the cool stuff we're going to do this term, so come grab one of these and see if you can get um, any young people to come. Um, and we'll see what God does in their lives, and that would be cool. And Sunday morning is, um, Georgia runs a Bible study when, uh, during the morning service as well, and she's the only person doing it, and as we know, she's going, so we could really do with some team, um, some volunteers to help out with that on the Sunday mornings as well. Because there's like 20 young yeah, people Yeah, there's 20 on, that. on the list. And they're there's all like cramming into Starbucks, so we need to, mm. yeah, yeah, that would be glorious. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, so they'll be at the back, and do chat to them about that, especially um, all the Sunday morning stuff. Um, and finally, um, our final priority is about um, effectively engaging with our local community. So we just got three things in that area that we want to um, press into. Brilliant. Thank you, Mark. Um, I love what Jackie Pollinger says about this stuff. Um, she says, we need to have soft hearts and hard feet. Soft hearts, hard feet. That's what uh, so much is this is about. Um, and so the first thing is really simple, and I'm sure a lot of you are involved in it already, but it's just our food bank collection. So we collect food at the back, um, just kind of constantly. You can bring that any Sunday, any day that you're coming through here. Um, and equally, um, Jason Zhang, who heads it up, um, also leads some teams. I think it's about once a term um, to collect um, a lot of food outside Sainsbury's in um, Sands End. So if you just want to hear more about that and get a kind of WhatsApp reminder to um, bring some food along on a Sunday, um, if you just leave your mobile number um, at the back under the food bank sign, um, Jason will add you to the list and um, tell you and remind you about that. Um, and this is a kind of new venture for us. Um, the women's ministry trialed it um, just before uh, the summer holidays. And we want to uh, partner with Regenerate Rise, who are based in Putney. And they're really about working with the kind of isolated elderly. So um, Lucy, do you want to come up? Um, Lucy is a trustee for Regenerate, as is Sarah Morgiston, who comes to our morning service. Um, yeah, tell us what it's all about and how we can get involved. Uh, yeah, so in the UK, um, nearly two million older people uh, feel invisible, um, unseen and lonely. Um, and Regenerate Rise was set up to basically tackle the issue of isolated older people. It's the most heartbreaking issue in this country that no one talks about because it's really unsexy. Um, but we believe in it and we really care about it. Um, actually, 
being lonely in your older age is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day in terms of life expectancy and that kind of thing. So RISE exists to kind of tackle that. So um, we have a day centre in Putney. We've also just taken over a day centre in Battersea as well. Um, desperate for volunteers. It operates kind of throughout the week and occasional Saturdays as well. Um, so if you're interested in volunteering at one of the kind of day centre sessions, let me know. We also do a kind of adopt a granny or a granddad um, scheme, which is super flexible whenever you can. It's going around to see um, an older person. You become really good mates with them, maybe do their shopping or some DIY and just befriend them. Um, and yeah, I think that's everything. It's, it's an incredible, incredible charity headed up by a woman called Mo, who is just relentlessly uh, for the dignity of older people and bringing them into relationship and bringing them into community. Um, and it's extraordinary. You see these older people come into the center um, kind of looking um, lonely and sad and shuffling in. And then we get Johnny, who's this old rocker who comes and plays music and they're all up dancing and clapping and smiling and becoming friends with each other and becoming friends with us. So please come and get involved. We're desperate for volunteers. So I'll be around wherever I'm meant to be and come and Back chat to me. the right hand side there. Wonderful. Thank you, Lou. Um, Brilliant, so that's Regenerate. Um, and then finally, um, I'm sure lots of you guys are aware that we partner with Glassdoor over the winter months, so November through to April, um, to house um, homeless people in the Mission Hall on a Tuesday evening. Um, James McKenzie-Smith is going to take over the rota for that, um, and some people can get involved in that, although uh, numbers on the evenings um, are a bit limited. Um, so what we thought we would do as well is that the guys can't get in there till um, 8 o'clock, on a Tuesday evening. And obviously by the time it's you know mid-January, it's freezing cold a lot earlier than that. Um, and they tend to gather outside in the cold waiting to go in. And we would love to open up church every Tuesday evening from 7 till 8 p.m. and just let them come in here and serve some teas and coffees and have a chat and things. So if that's something you think you might like to be involved in, either as an individual or perhaps as a life group, a really good way to start a life group on a Tuesday evening, maybe come here, do that for an hour, and then head off and have um, dinner and Bible study and all the other stuff we do. Um, again, if you want to put your email address down, we'll get back to you about what that uh, hopefully will look like. Um, Great. And the only other thing that is at the back this evening is Alpha. Um, I'm sure most of us know what Alpha is, a 10-week course uh, looking at the person of Jesus Christ and the Christian faith. If you'd like to get involved in Alpha, um, do let me know. I'll be at the back. Equally, let's keep thinking about who we can invite or whether perhaps we might like to come ourselves and just, you know, rehearse the basics of the Christian faith. Um, we'd love to see you there. Okay, guys. It's been a lot in a really, really good way. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to just spend um, a couple of songs, essentially a few minutes before the Lord, um, and then we'll continue in our act of worship by getting involved and looking at these various stations. Um, so can I invite you to stand?